we've got Gary Hayslip with us. So Gary, thanks for coming. Yeah, Bob, it's Gary and Max. Are you kidding? I mean, every time I get to hang out with Sam, it's a lot of fun. You know, I'm definitely happy to meet you, Jacob. So thanks for asking. Yeah, we're we're. Uh, I, I think just having people that like like to have fun. I mean, your office alone shows that oh, yeah. you're, you're a person, right? Outside of well, the, you, know, the you, don't, you don't get the full justice of it. I'm just thinking it should turn it a little bit. Oh, please you do. Know, yeah. Then, you know, but then it's like, uh, you know, they then I got to move over or something. You know, I'm just like, hmm. yeah, I'm trying to figure out where do I position myself. Make sure you get the Star Destroyer and you can see the you can see the Republic fleet, but then you miss that. You know, the the other fleet here and. And yeah, then you miss all of the other books. Yeah, it's just yeah. It's okay. I've been tempted to pick up the camera and pan there around. Go. Oh, look at that there! Yeah, that's that. Yeah, this, this drives people crazy too because I got the Enterprise next to uh, Star Wars. You know, but uh, I'm, you got to bait. You got to troll a bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah do you, do you uh, tell them there's no difference between the two that they're in the same? Oh, no, I, the I don't think <laughs> Warp seven in the Millennium Falcon and just they blow up. Yeah, yeah. There we go. <laughs> uh, but yeah, yeah, you're into science fiction fantasy as well, right? Like, oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, nice. yeah I, I, well, I mean, I, I not only read it, I also collect it. I mean, you know, there's and, and you know this. I mean, you, know, you and I have had discussions on on authors, and and you've even recommended books I hadn't even heard of before that I was, you know, uh, definitely. Oh, I'm a super by. nerd. Yeah, I'm super geek. I'm, I never know the difference between the terms, but yeah. So what what is it about sci-fi that people in security typically seem to like it more than, I mean, maybe there's other industries that people like it very heavily, but almost everyone in security likes sci-fi. All my top movies, yeah. always sci-fi. I'm a much, much more visual person than a reading person when it comes to sci-fi. I mean, well, I can, I, you know what I'm I can tell you for me, it was a, uh, it's a refuge, you know, um, Growing up, my parents divorced. My mother raised, you know, my myself, my brother, and my sister, and it was it was hard. I mean, you know, we were <clears throat> those times we were on welfare. Those times we didn't have money at all. Um, but I had, you know, The Hobbit. You know, I had um, you know, The Fellowship of the Ring. You know, I had these books that my, yeah. you know, that my um, my older cousins, you know, gave me when I was you know ten, eleven years old, and. Um, and so it was those type of books that helped me through, you know, my childhood. That helped me through, you know, a lot of the hard times of growing up. I mean, in um, in high school, I was, you know, the essential geek. You know, there were numerous times where you know you you uh, you know you had the jocks and the people that would beat the shit out of us because we were we were definitely you know weird, you know. But I yeah. but we actually reveled in that, you know. Um, but it was the you know the science fiction and the fantasy books and getting together to play D and D and and you know and stuff like that that um you know and building our first computers and you know all that kind of stuff those are the things that you know that were the refuge that helped us get through a lot of the stresses and stuff that you know of growing up and just the you know the um, just the shit box that life was when I was twelve you know and. Um, and then now here I am, you know, you know, decades later, 
and they're some of the favorite books that I've had. And maybe some of it is because of that, memories-wise. But I also find a lot of it too is um, I like to, and I, you know, and I read, I read, I also read religion and philosophy and politics, and you know, and I, I read nonfiction and stuff. I read a wide range of stuff. I'm uh, numerous books on history and everything, and um, and for me, it's just it's having a wide, you know, wide view of reality. But then when you also look at science fiction and fantasy and stuff, it helps me think of what could be, yeah. you know, what could be and what would that be like, you know? And, um, and so I always think that, you know, you, from a personal resilience standpoint, you need that bit of release. You need that bit of, you know, what could be. Yeah, you know? I have to agree with you, Gary. I am, um, you know, from a bit of vulnerability here. I, my childhood wasn't easy. Um, I was, able to I was literally put in a trash can in high school. Like, no, yeah. I, they, they put that in movies. I literally was putting it. It's, in, it's not a movie. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, so I don't know, did, Jacob, did you read much? Is it, I knew you were you, in your computer a lot. That's how you described it. But Yeah, yeah. Um, did you have something else you were, you were about to say, Sam? Well, no, there's a ton I was there? about to say, but I, 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 I wanted to... Because last night I, you were certainly talking about how the computer was your, was your reference oh, to something. Oh, yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, no, I didn't read much. Uh, outside of like, I did read some, but once, once I could use the internet and realize the content that was out there, it was, I was lost. Like the, the things I was doing was like figuring out how, uh, reading forms, like the Ubuntu forms deep in on how people were customizing their inter interface, yeah. very nerdy, very deep things. So my reading was internet posts and posting back. And like, I even created in high school, a, a, a custom this is how, how nerdy it got. I even created a custom computer case for a computer build I did in the metal shop. I went to the metal shop. We designed the Ubuntu logos and used a CNC cutter to cut out the frame of the computer. And it was very, very much a nerdy endeavor that it crossed across a lot of realms, so, right? A lot but, of skill sets, but yeah. yeah. In, in the case of um, the fiction for me, it was also a refuge the same way it was for you, Gary. However, yes. it became almost ridiculously so a, a, a model for heroism a model for personal mm. behavior and because i had two younger brothers and i was very concerned that abuse would be heaped on them as well i, I saw myself mm. as a protector so people have told me oh yeah we're not surprised you wind up in cyber like there's like no shock there um yeah but i later did a lit degree and it used to really make me mad when people called sci-fi and fantasy just escapism quote just escapism because it's not it's anything but right. Well, it, there is a degree of it, that refuge that Gary was talking about, sure. but it helped to build the ability mentally to, to model things. It's the, what if scenarios, yep. you know, um, sure. it's almost simulation in the mind and good, good sci-fi. I heard Asimov had a description once he said, uh, one thing should be not possible. Everything else should follow from that. That doesn't mean that it's, you know, it's bad to do other things, but, but that particular take had me thinking, all right, we're exploring the human condition under other circumstances. Fantasy is different from that, right? But yeah. it's also fun, right? And for me, the other refuge was also gaming, but we can get to that in a bit. Um, yep. Do you, one of the things I, I think is really cool about sci-fi, and I'm curious if you guys pick up on, on this too, a lot of sci-fi plays with what it means to be human. Like where where are the lines of what humanity is and isn't, and what's what does society evolve, and how do humans become a different version of what humanity can be or will be or shouldn't be. Um, that's one of the reasons I like it. Like 
but Blade Runner is a great example. I was just right? thinking Blade Runner. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. And yeah, in the original, not the second one. But yeah. You yeah. don't like the second one? Uh, the, you know, the second one's okay, but, you know, I like the original one, you know, the the director's cut where there's like nothing taken out of it. So you With get the like the music. Yeah. Yeah. You, you get like, yeah. you know, almost the extra hour of content that they had actually cut, you know, that, that they actually cut out. And yeah, there's uh, there's stuff in that where I'm just like, wow, you know, it's just and the thing, the thing when they made it, you know, compared to like what we see today, you know, the, you know, some of the some of the utter crap right. that they produce today. Yeah. By the way, if you ever get a chance, I, I don't know if either of you have ever read any Philip K. Dick, the book "Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep?" It's mm-hmm. very much about empathy and human contact. But he was he was really deeply into things like alternate worlds. And he had an experience in like 1972 where he really believed he had made contact. And there's a, there's a talk of him giving a, there's a recording of him giving a talk in the South of France where he describes this and books like man in the high castle are a reflection of the experience that he had. It wasn't in his mind, it wasn't purely fiction, which is incredible. So I highly recommend reading some of his books. Um, um, there was one I'm blanking on the name of it right now that was very much about drug experience. Cause he also did drugs and what that yeah, did yeah. to the human psyche and our perception of reality. Like his books have wound up everywhere, like total recall and the you know, minority report right. and that sort of thing. Oh yeah. There was yeah. a short series too, that was based directly on the electric dreams. It was, Oh yeah. Um, what was, um, was it on HBO or Hulu anyways, but it was supposed to be a more, literal interpretation than what Blade Runner ended up being. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's fascinating. <clears throat> it's, it's good fun, but, uh, yeah, Gary, uh, thanks for coming on here. And, uh, we started out, we started out pretty hot there. Um, so <laughs> that was um I had the pleasure <laughs> of getting to know you actually. And I think it was a strange situation because you were working at a security company and we saw we saw each other as competitors and you needed to buy a product at that time. And yet I felt an instant bond and trust with you. And I don't know if you know this, but the, we had previously had a competitor try to buy our product and they were trying to reverse engineer it. Um, they were trying to get a copy of it in order to understand it and make a competitive product. Yeah. I remember saying, Nope, I trust this guy. And, and we've hit it off pretty much ever since. And you, you absolutely were trustworthy. So I've appreciated our friendship ever since then. Yeah, it's been, uh, you know, you, I have to admit, you know, in our field, there are times when you meet people that are just peers. Right. And then there are times where you meet people and they're a family. And, and, and that's, you know, yeah, it was, it was that kind of bond. I mean, I knew right away, as soon as we met and we started talking, we just kind of synced. And then, um, and then coming to your event, you know, yeah, you know, one of the events that you guys did in Boston, you know, the one where I almost broke my ankle. Um, yeah, because I, you know, uh, it was, deep, and that was, yeah, it was a deep event we did yeah 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 you guys did a deep event and that's where we got a chance to actually meet and sit and talk and and have a drink and, uh, and just get to know each other and, and our families and stuff and and that's the one where uh, they had was come and, and chat and you know and, and that was that was an experience that was a lot of fun yeah and um and then i invited you to the this is the first time we're talking about it publicly the the rsa fight club uh, yeah, that was all. <laughs> so, so we did a, a, I know I've kind of hinted at this with you, Jacob, but we did a, I ran a, a, a this is me coming out. I ran a D&D game for CISOs 
that was off the books in kind of like a speakeasy room that I, I put aside for the it, Thursday afternoon. It was badass. We had so much fun. Oh my it was, God. Uh, it was intense. It was meant because I used, I used a mechanism called clocks that forced people to start working together and trying to accomplish stuff. And it was, I, I, of course I was running it, but I think Gary, it was meant to make people bond and do stuff. Yeah. And it was it was crazy. Yeah. I mean, we got overrun by zombies and, and the cleric <laughs> and the cleric I was playing uh, converted to a different religion in the middle of the attack to be able to go ahead and cast. It was nuts. I mean, we had so much fun. Yeah, I'm, and actually, actually, my brother dropped in on that one too. Um, who's in cyber? Red, Red's in cyber as well. And actually, Gary, yeah. last night at, at dinner, I gave a copy of that game. It, it's a D and D derivative called White Hat because they just brought a new edition, and I gave it to Jacob for uh, a dinner. I started reading it this morning. Started reading through it. Hopefully, yeah, very cool. We'll have, we'll have to do I, a Fight I, Club again at some point, right? Because oh, dude, you know, and the thing is, both my sons play now too. Yeah, and so uh, oh yeah, that'd be, that'd be awesome. Excellent. Excellent. I, but, um, yeah, we've had a, we, we've had so many interactions since then. I have to ask, uh, have you started building the Lego I sent you recently? Not yet. Not yet. Well, I got, it right, you got it right there. Yeah. I, in fact, I got it underneath my desk to remind me you know, that I need to, you know, so you've got the, let me make sure I yeah, do it justice. Ooh, look at that. It's such a cool set. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I got it right here underneath my desk to remind me um, as soon as I as soon as I get the chance. You know, the, of course the great thing is I gotta figure out where the hell am I gonna put it. Yeah, so I think I may sacrifice the enterprise and move it somewhere. Ooh. Oh, it's gonna take that's, over the enterprise that's a big space. One. That's, yeah. that's a status. I guess I gotta figure out of course you know, Sam sent it to me. <laughs> yes, I can put it. <laughs> well, it was your birthday, and I couldn't get out there, you know, because I just changed companies, and I had a, unfortunately. Oh yeah, I, I know. I think about this is, you know, I'll have plenty of other birthdays, so it's no big deal. But uh, it's, it's, but that, you know, the Jacob, this whole thing is on, on yeah. my birthday. I think since like the last three years, I actually rent a suite at Peco Park, and I invite friends in, and we watch a baseball game together. And the original. And the, the original reason why I did it was um, so that my sons could meet people that had influenced my life and oh. they can meet my network and my friends. Yeah. You know, my, my, my sons have autism, but you wouldn't know that. I mean, they're, high, you know, they, uh, yeah. Yeah, they're, they're, they're amazing. I mean, you know, uh, one's in data science and the other one right now is actually, uh, he's just finished up his A plus and his security plus and he's doing network plus right now. And he's doing cloud, you know, uh, set classes as well. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, both of them are just, you know, they're, they're amazing young men. And, uh, but it's really important, you know, and I've been working with, because they're in their 20s and I've been helping them understand that, you know, you have to have this network of people around you. You know, you can't, you know, live just in your world, even though, and that's something that's very hard for people that are spectrum to break out of because they don't understand the facial expressions. They don't understand, you know, the body language and stuff. And, um, you know, and even even myself, you know, I I will admit it. I am spectrum. I'm, I'm face blind. I don't understand faces very well. Mm-hmm. And um, the um, unless I know you, unless I've been around you a lot, you know, I'll remember your face and I remember your name. Sure. But it's like you know, even though you and I have met for the first time, Jacob, if you and I ran into each other next week, I wouldn't know you because I haven't been around you. Unless I associate you with Sam, who, you know, I associate as a brother, you know, and I would know Sam anywhere. 
you know, and it's, it's, it's rough for me at times because I know just an amazing amount of people that I network with and that I, and that I help, you know, and it just, it takes longer time for me to remember, you know, um, you know, and, 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 and it's something I'm very conscious of. It drives me crazy, you know? Um, but, and so I, you know, I started this thing, this, this kind of this birthday party to uh, help them just see you know, people that have influenced me throughout my whole career that are very close to me, um, you know, mentors of mine and, and um, you know, fellow CISOs and just, you know, friends and um, the, uh, and it's just, it's, it's just been crazy. I mean, you know, um, men that I, you know, I'm in, in church with and men that, um, and women you know, that have influenced my career. And, uh, and like, you know, this year I know a uh, Kirsten Davies is flying in and Chris Roberts is flying in and, and then, uh, you know, Julian waits, one of my mentors, you know, comes every time Julian's amazing, you know, um, and it's just, you know, there's just lots of people that are, you know, that are coming down and, uh, and then local, you know, people here that I've known for years and, uh, people that I, that I served in the military with, um, and so it's going to be a wide range of people. And some of them are bringing their wives as well. And, and it just happens to be this this game. The Padres are playing. Um, they're playing Boston. <laughs> they're playing the Red Sox. So, yeah, I should have been there. I, I, it's, I, uh, it's, it's, probably, probably, people in Boston will hate this, but I would probably be rooting for the Padres because my wife's a Yankees fan. Oh, and I have to do that. Oh, really? So anything <laughs> to take down the Yankees is your pretty pretty much Jacob. Otherwise, I'm in deep trouble. Well, that seems pretty Bostonian, though. That's not exactly yeah. a <laughs> philosophy not shared in the. Well, and, and this is about you know about here the people that I've invited are Boston fans, so it's just going to get <laughs> ugly in that suite. I, I just know. <laughs> You know, uh, but it's, it's going to be a lot of fun. And so I've been doing this for a number of years. And um, my uh, and, and my sons actually really enjoy it. They, they like meeting the people and talking to them. And uh, my one son who's in data science will sit for like, I, I know getting him with Chris is going to be interesting because they'll, they'll, they'll just go on tangents and talk about all kinds of stuff. Yeah. And then my other friend, um, like I said, you know, both of them are huge. They're into gaming now and they're, you know, they're doing, you know, yeah, I, I I have to admit, I think I've kind of influenced them in some ways, but um, the um, it's it's just an amazing event. I've I've just had a blast, you know, with it, and it was on a fluke. You know, we we, we did it by accident. Um, you know, we started at, at at the beginning of COVID, and so the first time that that they let me do it, you know, uh, we were in lockdown and stuff. Um, even though the 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 suites that are together, they hold forty people. I was only allowed to you know. Um, invite 20 and we all had to kind of stay in around each other <laughs> it's kind of weird it's everyone in corners <laughs> yeah but but it was like we, we, you know we all had a good time you know um and then over the last couple of years it, i've been able to actually invite everybody you know um so it's just been yeah it's, it's, it's been really cool you know it's and it was a fantastic uh, tradition yeah, you just, you just reminded me. I have to send a thank you to Chris, by the way, because he just put my name in for an event in the Middle East. But uh, next time you do your birthday thing, I'll have to come out and run a game for people. Oh, yeah. We'll do that. I think, you know, I think it'd be great. And, you know, I think the event he was talking about was, there was that uh, Mia? Black yeah, Hat Mia. it's a Black Hat Mia. Yeah. Yeah, I think yeah, going I, I, well. yeah I'm going to. Yeah, yeah there's going to be there's several of us that um, that have Roger up said they're going. So it'd be cool if you were going. Dude, we could do D and D. We could do it there. Yeah. We could do it there. I, I, I've I've never played it in Saudi, so we'll see how that goes. Yeah, us and the camels, baby. That's right. That'd be fun. That's right. <laughs> it'd be a lot of fun. Yeah, it'd be a blast. But anyway, your birthday sounds like it's rocking. Um, but I do the. Yeah. What's that? I do the exact opposite on my birthday every, every year. Isolate. I do. Isolate every year. Yeah, it's a 
I regenerate. So since I was, I don't know, uh, 15, maybe, maybe a little younger, um, my mom had remarried and the family that, um, she married into right, my stepdad, his family had like a little cabin, nothing fancy, a very little cabin on a lake and is shared by the family. So every family gets a, a week of time that you can spend at this cabin and, um, out of the full family, right? So everyone gets a week dedicated that no one else can come and bother them. So you can't be bothered by your brother, or your sister, or whoever in your family is going to annoy you that week. They're not allowed. Um, so we started going on my birthday week. Uh, and then I've, since I've been doing that since I was a little kid, uh, that just became my tradition as I go into the woods and I take some quiet time. So it's almost the, the exact opposite uh, of, of what your tradition is, Gary. Well, Jacob, we were talking a while ago about introvert versus extrovert. And I think we came to the right. conclusion that it's just a question of when you flip to introversion. So at some, let's imagine a party that starts at 6 p.m. Are yeah, you yeah, yeah. not wanting to go from the start or are you the person who goes home at 7 p.m., 8 p.m., 9 p.m.? Are you the person who closes the place, right? Because I love people, but what I thrive on is small groups generally. Yeah. In a large yeah. group, there comes a point where I start to feel like I'm not clicking. And now I feel like instead of getting energy from the group, I, it's taking it from me. And then I'm like, how do I get back to my hotel room? Right. And I think yeah. you said 730 in that scenario was when you head back to your room. Gary, does that resonate with you? Oh, yeah. 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 I, um, I find in, in the larger groups, uh, I usually last about an hour or two hours. Yeah. About two hours in, I find myself kind of like on the outside, maybe hanging out with one or two people and looking for an exit. Yeah. The, the larger group stuff just really, um, it just doesn't, uh, Maybe it's my PTSD or something, but it's like, I, just I think do it's not human like nature. Work. I mean, my, my brother-in-law, I love the guy, but my brother-in-law, he's the one holding the beer in the air when the lights come on. And I'm like, dude, how do you do that? But like me, 7, 7.30, my wife knows. She's like, okay, you're, you're losing energy now. You, you can go back to the room, right? But like, she's somewhere in the middle. Um, yeah. I get it. I mean, you know, the thing was, uh, I, you know, I'm good for a couple hours. I like, I like you, know, especially if you got friends there and stuff, or I'm running around and meeting people. But after that, I mean, it's just like you said, the energy just starts kind of getting sucked out of me. I'm just like, I'm not really there purpose-wise just to go ahead and drink and be noisy. Yeah, I want to come. I want to meet people. I want to have, you know, fun. But at the same time, I mean, I can just as easily go back and chill out and uh, and be on my laptop and be doing something or, or writing or reading. And I'm having fun. So, I mean, it's, you know, um, I, th- I think I'm a lot like you, Sam, in that, in that um, you know, I'm good enough at smaller group. If it's a smaller group of people, um, like, you know, the, you know, tinkerers were together for like a, a dinner or something like that. And we all know each other and we've all spent time together and, and, um, I'll be there all night with them because I'm basically with family. Yeah. So, I mean, it doesn't bother me. Oh, oh, Jacob, the tinkerers is a, um, it's, a, it's an OG group of CISOs and we all sort of hang out on Slack and we, that's fun. We, we do, we do fun stuff together, but like whenever yeah. we're in the same town, we all go out and that kind of right. thing. And with COVID, we haven't traveled as much, but uh, there's a great bunch of people on there. The, and, and now that uh, now that, you know, traveling is open and everything, uh, we're all starting to meet each other again, you know, and and make it a purpose. Like you know, like like, like my birthday, Alan's coming out. Yeah, you know, there's, there's at least six tinkerers that are coming out for my uh, my birthday party. You know, um, but yeah, it's it's just one of those things. Like you be there. Oh, huh. but dude, you know, I but I understand. And, you know, it's but it's like one of those things that um, we you know we. 
we support each other. I mean, if I'm on the west, if I'm on the east coast and I'm out for travel for something, you know, on our Slack, I'll let people know where I'm at, and we all meet together for dinner. And, it, and it's crazy how we'll travel to meet each other and stuff like that. And uh, and even at um, like at RSA, we're going to come together in a, quite a large group for a couple of different things. We got a charity event that we're doing uh, and raising money for uh, for vets. You know, um, we've got you know. Um, the whiskey tasting thing that we're doing that uh, that Chris you know will be running, you know, uh, and he's <laughs> he's still living those. Oh my god! Yeah, yeah. I'm saying. I mean, we, we've got we've got multiple things that we do together, you know, and then several of us, you know, the companies, you know, that, that we work for are doing events, and uh, and a bunch of us are coming out to support them. You know, so it's just one of those things. You know, it's it's, it's family. You gotta you gotta take care of each other. Yeah, it's so true. It's so true. And and. By the way, you were talking about family, you are talking about autism, and it made me think, I remember my first interaction with a senior executive who had autism, and it was fairly high on the spectrum, and I'm still functional. Uh, and with the emphasis on soft skills or power skills and empathy, um, I worry sometimes that we're putting a bias in hiring. And so I, I started to champion neurodiversity. Mm. This, was, this executive was one of the best executives I've ever worked with, and he, he fought against... I don't want to say it the wrong way, but the limitations that he was faced with and he mm -hmm. overcame them in many, many ways. I also had a, I was on the board of a public credit company whose founder had autism as well. And, um, when they tackled those problems, they were able to overcome the lack of those soft skills and be truly great executives and innovators. And I, and I worry that we don't have enough neurodiversity. We talk about diversity in many forms and we need to increase it, but yeah. neurodiversity is one of those. Um, I don't think we're doing enough. Uh, to, to, to address that um, in our industry generally. Uh, Gary, I don't know what your perspective is on that. Yeah, I mean, it's the thing about this is I'm actually writing an article on it. I mean, I've, um, you know, I've, I've actually put together a slide deck and presented on it, you know, um, in some of the, the tinker talks that we've done, myself and, uh, and Taylor uh, Lehman, him and I together actually did a talk on it, you know, about neurodiversity and, um, you know, and I, th I think you know, there's companies out there that are just doing like you know, like, like Oracle and Microsoft and them who've made a decision that they are going to be neurodiverse and they hire people for it. You know, especially um, you know Oracle over in the EU, you know, where they've got you know whole departments that are specifically designed where they bring in people that are neurodiverse. You know, and, and the thing about this is that you know I find you know, having raised you know two men with it, and and then and then realizing I've got. You know, recognizing some of my, some of my, and, you know, some of my traits in my sons, you know, um, that, um, you know, the, it, it is harder in some ways to manage them, but I don't think it's so much harder. It's just different, hmm. you know, and, and yeah, they, you know, cause what, what I find like with my sons is they process data differently. You know, they, they see things you know, differently. And, that, and it is that, that diversity, you know, my, especially my oldest son has a memory for things that just blows my mind. Um, very unique, intricate things that I just would never remember. And, you know, and he could lay out step by step. This is what happened, or this is what we did, you know, from like 15 years ago. That's really cool. You know, and, and I've really learned cool. to trust that memory because of the way he processes information, you know, and, um, and then even my, my youngest son, um, He's um, one of those within the spectrum that he's allergic to, um, you know, wheat and dairy. 
And what we found was that it wasn't that, you know, he had a, uh, he, and there's some autistic children that have this genetic disposition that, that you know, that, that calcium and the, the wheat and everything where, um, what happens is, is if you eat that stuff, it's almost like a, um, yeah, it's got connections. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And basically, basically, he's stoned. It's it's almost like he's on a you know on a drug, and he can't focus. And when he was very very young, we had him tested where we actually took him off the special diet that he was on, and we watched him fade away over a six week period. Wow, you know, and and um, and you know, and I remember some of the last words he said was he was. You know, as he was stemming and just really losing it, was busy mind. You know, he could not, and he was just saying busy mind over and over again. And um, the best way to describe it is if our brains are, um, you know, our brains are, uh, say, hard drives, you know, and you've got a cable coming in for the data. Well, they've got 10 or 15 cables coming in because of all the data that they are processing and all the data and everything stimuli that's coming around them, you know, and, um, but we had to totally take him off his diet and it was just heartbreaking so that they could go ahead and test and everything improve. And then we put them back on the diet and they slowly come back, you know, and, and, um, you know, and so that was, we were able to prove, okay, he has allergies to these, you know, specific things. And if he has, you know, anything with milk or anything with wheat, you know, he'll immediately spike a fever and he'll throw up and get sick. You know, so we know that he has to, you know, so thank God GFC is a, a normal thing now, you know, for him. Um, you know, and I think, uh, you know, rice milk and coconut milk and all that stuff is just fine for him. Um, you know, we, we've, you know, he's been on the diet for, 20 years now, you know, um, and he's probably one of the most healthy, he's the healthiest of us in the family, you know, um, and he's just utterly, utterly brilliant. And you wouldn't know, you know, he's tons of friends in the sports, you know, like I said, he's into data science and statistics. He can program in about eight different languages and you wouldn't even know, um, unless you've been around people, you know, cause you would see some of the quirks, right. you know, but yeah, but that, that type of neurodiversity, we would lose that. You know, yeah, I mean, you've got to be you've got to be open to, you know, not just that they mean that they may have special diets. And so the cafeteria downstairs at work, you know, has to take into account these kind of things. You've also got to take into account that they may be they may actually have to have an office by themselves because they can't handle noise. You know, or they, you know, they may not be in a cubicle surrounded by people because they can't handle the physical contact of people around them. They need, you know, a little bit more ordered you know, um, you know, stimuli, you know, they may need to have special, you know, headphones to where it's totally where they can drown out around them and they can hyper-focus on what they're working on. You know, um, it's just things like that. I mean, you know, you've, you've got to take a look at, you know, what things they're going to need to be able to work within a team. And then, you know, and at the same time, the team itself needs to be trained. So they understand, you know, that this person is not disabled. They're differently abled. Mm. They bring skills and everything in, but they bring it from a different flavor or a different variety or a different view. And we, you know, and we talk about that all the time. We need that, you know, and it's like, and so it's just, you know, the, the accommodations, we make accommodations for each other all the time. So they're just different accommodations. 
you know, so it isn't like, you know, something that's really hard, but it's, you know, as, as a manager, you know, especially in IT and cyber, we've always had people on our teams that were a little different or a little off or just kind of, you know, I'm saying, it, you know, uh, he's a little, you know, he, you know, she's a little this or that, but she's freaking brilliant and does really, really well. You know, uh, you know, she's in the sock and it's amazing when you're dealing with, you know, threat intel and the stuff that she can see and put together and be able to help us analyze, you know, what happened during this breach. But she also, you know, happens to be with, you know, in the spectrum. Who cares? You know, I don't, I don't care about that. I mean, I look at the fact that we work as a team and the, and the output and what we were able to get done. And sometimes you need to change the way you operate. You need to change the way you manage. You need to change the way you evaluate people because they work differently. They operate differently. And there's nothing wrong with that. You know, I, like I said, they're, they're differently able. You know, we all bring different pieces to the table. Yeah, and, and it's more than autism. It's also ADHD. It's also oh, yeah. Tourette's. Oh, yeah. My my brother yeah. and my father have Tourette's, and and in, and I worry sometimes that you know, I think it's a competitive advantage. In some ways, it's not just the right thing to do. It gives us yeah. better creativity, better connecting of the dots, and, and more. I, I just we're just better at, at at how we operate when we have these other modes of thinking. But I do worry that that then they aren't necessarily considered for promotion or leadership. That there's a template. Mm-hmm that we have and that's not right. that's not right either. Uh, like I said one of the one of the most one of the best VPs I ever saw in in cybersecurity we call it infosec in those days was somebody who was relatively high on the autism scale to my surprise and it was cuz he really invested and worked in certain skills. Oh yeah. And he was awesome. I mean he, I I I worked with and for him and he was great. And I just think that, that we're probably we're probably self-selecting to say well they're very valuable in the SOC maybe we'll get that far but mm. i don't necessarily know if companies and social structures are saying well okay this person's a candidate to be a leader i i directly yeah. say they're not i mean I, I don't know for sure but in general well, and the thing about his though is that not. you know they could be with the right support yeah you know, and that's they should, what, be, they should be considered yeah. just it and that's, yeah, that's much more, I think that's more right, openness right. yeah yeah, and, and the thing was, I, I look at my sons and how far they've gotten, and I contribute. I attributed most to my wife. You know, I was active duty military. I was deployed. I was gone. You know, eight ten months out of the year. You know, um, and she was the one that fought with the school district. She was the one that you know um, made sure that both of them had the support that they needed. And even to this day, they both still, you know, um, you know, social structure wise, they, um, it's actually kind of cool. They actually have stood up a group of uh, people within the spectrum here in San Diego and they get together. They actually get together for events where they, where they do things together. And, uh, and at, at the time, I think it was like three or four people. Now they're up to like 20 plus people. Yeah, and it's really interesting um, where they're starting to go, and they need that sense of community because you know the the like you know showing up at a meetup and just going around and talking with people and learning about something new or whatever. That's not you know for a lot of times that's not really common to them. It's hard for them. Yeah, you know, and so if you do a, a you know like I say a meetup of people like you, you're a lot more comfortable. And you can kind of learn, you know, with each other. And then I've, what I've done was I've made my sons branch out from that to doing uh, Dungeons and Dragons groups and doing, you know, uh, other technology groups to where, um, you know, you use one as a stepping stone 
for the others. And you know, that's the thing I explained to them. I said, you know, in your career, as you as you're you know growing up and maturing, you're going to have different scenarios like this where you're going to feel, you know, you walk in, you don't know anybody, you don't really want to be here, you know, you don't know what to do, you don't, you know. And I said, you know, this is your chance to learn. This is how you're going to go ahead and learn. And so I told them, I said. You know, you're out of high school, you're out of college, but you're still going to be continually learning. I said, you know, both of you are in tech fields that where things move extremely fast. So you're always learning and working on projects and doing stuff. I said, you know, well, guess what? The soft side, you know, the soft skills, the stuff that you need just to be able to exist as a human, you are going to have to be continually learning as well. I said, you know, um, because of your, you know, your being differently able than the other things that you have, you know, with your autism, it's too easy to sink into and just focus on yourself. I'm not going to let you do that. You know, and and I tell my sons, you know, that, look, your mother and I are only going to be here, you know, for a certain time. And then it's just going to be you two. You know, and And by the way, you got to be able to rely on each other. I I have a a theory, by the way, that not only... Not only does Dungeons and Dragons and role playing does it help with certain skills. Obviously, it helps with math, young, and storytelling, and and being able to act or whatnot. But I also believe it helps to relieve stress and it builds a sense of community. And because it's collaborative, you're not it's not competitive as a game. Right? Um, did it help your sons um, socially? Did it? I mean, I mean, it's enjoyable. But did it help them with skills and and? Oh, yeah. So yeah. to help them with stress because actually my brother and I were talking today about burnout rates in cyber and yes. sort of thinking this is one of those hobbies that can really help with that. But, but I'd love to hear your son's experience. Yeah, in fact, um, you know, I was pleasantly surprised that my oldest son um, stepped up and not only are they in a game, he's also DMing one. That's you know? amazing. Yeah. And he's, you know, he's got the whole leadership thing and he's planning and doing stuff and everything. And I was just like, Oh, that's really cool. <laughs> yeah. has and, he um, for you yet? has he, has he done that? No, no, no. I, um, uh, you know, I've, I haven't wanted to stress him out. So I that, just that, kind of, that's I, I, I so far. Yeah. 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 So far. You know, I, um, I've, I've, I've had fun watching them, but what him and I do together is we, we play magic. Yeah, we'll actually play. Um, and so he's trying new decks and everything. And um, the um, what I like is recently they came out with the Warhammer decks. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, cool. And uh, in Magic. And so I've actually got three of the Warhammer decks. And so far, I've been kicking his ass. <laughs> but it's been a lot of fun. I didn't even yeah. know they've done a Warhammer extension. Was it like Skaven and Imperial? Oh, oh, and, yeah. oh, dude. It is Have you guys both played? Well, I know Warhammer, so, so, so like, you know I've been a gamer so long, yeah. like since, yeah. since 1982, yeah. and so it's inescapable that I know Warhammer, but I didn't realize they oh, yeah. crossed over. Yeah, it's at, yeah, so everywhere yeah. now. So I've, several of the, so I've got several of the Warhammer decks, and so we've been, uh, we've battled, and he almost got me the third time. He nice. almost got me the third time. Yeah, except I ended up pulling out an air car where I had flight, and he couldn't. He couldn't, you know, stop me from the flight. You know, and so I just, you know, you can load up troops into it, and I just kicked his ass. <laughs> <laughs> was, but he almost got. I have to do a call out. Uh, Adam Showstack has a web page people can look up that is just about gaming and cyber. So it's video games, it's card oh, very cool. board games, it's role playing games. So you can like look it up. He's like got an index of all this stuff. So it's Adam Showstack and take a look at these. Okay. He's done a lot of work to pull this stuff together. And some people have done some like real research into how it helps with certain business problems and cyber problems. And I'm going like to bring that. it up so right cool. now. Look at it. Yeah. 
probably I probably wouldn't share it here. Adam has no idea I'm saying that, but I'm a fan of, of what he's put out there. I'll have to take. Yeah, you know, I'm just making a note. I'll have to take a look. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I, I believe in it wholeheartedly. I mean, there's been times where I've had with my teams where I said on Friday, um, you know, it was kind of quiet. I said, you know, we'll get out and play, you know, whatever games. We'll do something. And then, and then even, you know, at, at SoftBank, it's it's amazing. The security and the IT teams are all together. We all kind of sit together. Yeah. And there's a bunch of us that are just hardcore gamers. Oh, yeah, we used to do that and, sock, uh, way back at SoftBank. And we're all sitting here talking about, you know, new technologies or, you know, the different, uh, oh, we're talking about this show or that show and, you know, or this book. And, you know, and I, I find it, it does bring a sense of community. It does bring a sense of, you know, the, the relieving of stress and everything and, and just talking about different stuff while we're working. I think it's one yeah. of the most important parts of leadership that is consistently missed is that do something not related to the job with the team and, and not go out for beers. Yeah, everyone can do that. It's fun. It, I don't disagree with it as a, a networking technique, but I, some of the most fun that the team had at Cyber Reason when I was managing the sales engineering team was when we would do virtual game nights and mm -hmm. we would get on Zoom and yeah. we would play. We played Among Us. We played all sorts of pop games. Oh, through that um, That'd be a riot. Oh, oh my it was, God. It's so much fun. And it really lightened things up and people got to be themselves a little bit and people laughed together. Like, we don't laugh together in security that often. No, we don't. We all have a facade. Yeah. I have a friend, Sean Cordero. He's a, a friend of mine at Zscaler, and and we're peers. He worked, He says, you know, we wear these masks all day, and and really, we don't know a lot of things, but we're expected to look like we do, and yeah. really we crave this interconnection. And it's funny. We went we went out for um, like a team event, and he learned that I was a gamer, and suddenly he remembered when he was a gamer, and we just bonded over that. It was just two weeks ago. It was, it was amazing. So yeah. Oh well. You got you got. Yeah. You got to bring your true self, and, and the more you, the more I find that I project my true self, the more people respond well. Do you think? Yeah, when I was uh, when I was at Webroot, it was uh, I do the same thing. I I bring my team because when I was at Webroot, I worked in San Diego and I also worked in Denver. I would commute back and forth, you know, and so I had part of my security team in Denver and part of it in San Diego. And um, I used to do events where I would take them, you know, uh, I said, okay, we're going to be doing a team event, you know, and my boss, you know, was the CFO, was like, hey, that's cool, you know. I take them all to a baseball game. <laughs> We'd all go to a baseball game or something. Or do I, I do an event where I get the whole team together in Denver. And I said, yeah, we're doing a, a team training event. And he's like, okay, no problem. You know, and we did basically like laser tag one year. year. I think you said you did laser yeah, we, we did laser tag. We did, uh, we had one year where we went snowmobiling. <laughs> That's which really was cool. That's fun. stupid. Yeah. You know, we were, you know, in Denver, we're up to 12,000 foot level, driving around in snow all day. <laughs> scared the crap out of me yeah because how fast those things go so you nice. know and you're running up you're running up the side of mountains and stuff and we're jumping things it was crazy oh my god it was it was insane and at the end of the day we all pull back you know we all pile back into the bus because we rented a party bus you know we're having drinks all the way back down and we're all singing we're singing the muppet song and just having a blast and everything yeah and then we get down you know down the boulder and i had set up for us to do uh dinner at french laundry yeah, because we're Ooh. we're having dinner. And then I have a guest for us at dinner, and who was it? It was Chris Roberts. You know, uh, Chris was there. You know, um, and I introduced him to the team because I wanted them to go ahead and meet somebody local. You know, and he had dinner with us, and we all hung out. So then he invites the whole freaking team back to his house. You know, and his wife was amazing. You know, they're good to put up with us. And then you know, Mo and the rest of the Wolf Mutts come on out. And we hung out with him for the evening, tasting whiskey and playing with the great dames, and just had a freaking blast. 
Yeah, and um, but that's kind of the team events I would do is something like that, and it's just and to this day, years later, you know, many of my teams I keep track of them, you know, and I still mentor them even though they're they no longer work for me. You know, they're to me they're family, and I still keep you know keep up with them and what they're doing. Yeah, and uh, but yeah, I, I like doing team things like that where it's not work related; it's more of a relationship. Because we work so close together, and you work such long hours together and stuff like that, right. you've got to get to know each other and trust each other. You'd be too lonely not to, right? I mean, yeah, uh, yeah, no. I mean, I, I I couldn't even imagine, you know, just coming into work and going home, and you just don't know each other. You know, that's just not normal for me. And I have a security team because of just the the, the intenseness of the work and the stuff that we do. So I, I heard that, or I've read a few articles about how burnout rates are very high among security professionals and CISOs. And so are, so are substance abuse and uh, obesity. And yeah. Do you think that if people did more of this, that would be a lower number? Do you think that maybe we, we have to have the facade up and the businesses oh. see us and as adding value? Do you think, do you think this is part of the solution? Yeah. Mental I mean, I, I think is, I've done, um, I've written articles and presented on self-resilience on this whole this whole issue. I mean, um, Rick McElroy and I did a speech at, um, you know, we did the speech at RSA a couple of years back. I think it was 2019 when we did the speech and it was called why the role of the CISO sucks and what we need to do to fix it. And it was insane how many people showed up. Yeah. You know, I did one uh, called how not to lose your job in 13 months. Cause that was the, what the expectancy yeah. was back in those days. Yeah. For yeah. Hours. And it was, I have to admit, I mean, you know, the amount of people that showed up and then afterwards when we stepped out into the hall, cause they, they, you know, we were in there for 30 minutes and they were trying to shove us out for the next hour. You know, so we stepped out into the hall. We were in the hall for the next three hours and the stories people had and the stuff that they were talking about, you can tell we hit on a vein, That's you know, and this community, that's the hunger for connection. Oh yeah. Yeah, it, it was amazing, and it, this was just when um, they started releasing some of that, some of that research you were talking about, Sam, where they were, you know, they were talking, you know, thirty percent of CISOs were using, you know, were doing something, whether it was drugs or alcohol, whatever, self medication or alcohol, yeah, yeah, just to deal with the stress. And they were talking like, you know, forty plus percent of um, security executives, you know, senior level security, you know, executives, you know, CISOs, deputy CISOs, whatever. You know, um, we're looking to go ahead and leave the space within the next, you know, 12 to 18 months. I mean, leave, like never come back, go do something else. Right. How the hell? I had a friend. I had a CISO friend. He, he was an alcoholic. He lost his family. I'm not going to name him at all, but he, he, he was right. struggling with obesity. He had gastric bypass. He, then he turned to alcohol because he couldn't get the rush from the food, I suppose. He lost his family. He lost his job. It was, I mean, tragic. And it was all because of stress. I'm sorry, Gary, though, I interrupted you. Oh no! Oh no! I'm gonna say how's how's how the heck something? Yeah. Um, you know, what I was just referring to is, I mean, how do you go ahead and we already know the role is maturing, and it's becoming more aligned to being a business executive with a focus on technology and risk. You know, and the businesses want that because of all the threats, the attacks, the stuff that's happening. You know. Um, so we're, we already know our job itself is changing hmm. and you know, we're becoming more aligned in the business, becoming more visible. At the same time, you've got more responsibility. You've got more accountability. You know, you've got a chance to possibly go into jail now. I mean, there's so many different things, you know, dealing with the role. And that just adds, honestly, that adds more of the stress to the role, you know, and there's those of us that operate in the technical and the strategic piece. And there's a lot of us that come from the military side. We just kind of, 
We just take it and go on about our business. But that's not everybody. That's only like about 20 to 30% of us. You know, the rest of us, you know, they've never experienced this kind of dramatic shift and this thing and the new things that are being required of the role and everything. And yeah, the stress is just freaking stupid, you know? Um, and I, I have to admit, I mean, you know, the, it's very surmountable for a lot of people and they don't know how to go ahead and basically take care of themselves or take care of their teams, you know, and what to watch for, you know, to go ahead and be willing to, you know, give that time off, to be willing to understand that you just can't be focused on work because this job will eat you alive. Mm. You have to be able to step out and do other things. Like go build a Star Destroyer or go read a book or something. You've got to do other things to go ahead and relieve that stress because it's not all about work. Because I can guarantee you, you stroke out in this job and as you're sitting in a chair trying to recover, your company's just going to go ahead and go on. That's what it's about to job gonna go ahead and go on. You know, it isn't like everything's going to come to a stop. Mm. You know, so you've got to be able to take care of yourself. Plus, you also, like I said, you know, the, your team, the people around you, you know, you've got to watch for it in them as well. Mm. You know, um, and help them understand that this is not normal. You know, unfortunately, the job. This is this is the job. Yeah, yeah, there's a long dark tunnel and there's no light at the end of the tunnel. It's just a long dark tunnel because the job's continuous. You get constant you're, you're never gonna have one day where you come in and hey, everything's secure, everything's done. Woohoo! I got nothing to do. Time to go to the beach. Yeah, yeah. That would be freaking awesome. You know, time to go to the ball game or, or whatever, you know. I'm good. You know, I don't even have to look for any chair tickets. I'm not even gonna look at Slack. We're good, we're totally secure. <laughs> that ain't happening. That'd be cool, though, but that ain't happening. You know, um, I think you get to a, a norm, a baseline of where a steady state of where things are going. And then once you get when you're at that steady state, you got to take your time. You got to take, you know, whatever you can get at the family vacation or whatever. You shouldn't go three years and have never taken a family vacation. I, I did. That. I did finally do Oh, you know, my, my, my wife actually, my wife actually forced me to take four days off, you know, last month uh, because I hadn't been on vacation, you know, since before COVID, you know, uh, cause I've just been just slamming going, you know, um, but yeah, I mean the, the job itself and then all the new stuff that's being piled onto it and then just, uh, just the dramatic changes that are happening to it. Um, yeah, it's just, I mean, the stress is built in. It isn't going, I don't think it's going to change. You know, so you have to go ahead and just make a decision. All right. It's not going to change, but I am going to change. Yeah. I, I have a, I'm going to sorry. Yeah. Jacob. What? Yeah. yeah it, sorry. I think there was a, a point you made that, that stood out in there that triggered a thought. I can't remember the exact thing you said, Gary, but it, it seems like a lot in the, in, a lot of people in the industry, right. I'm guilty of this myself is I make the job harder on myself, right? Mm -hmm. I care more about the job than the CEO might care about the job or the other leaders might care about the job. And I think that's true across security leaders in general, right? Security people are extremely passionate about the job itself. And yeah. The business objectively doesn't care. The business from a machine perspective, just from removing what's right, wrong, ethical out of it, at least in the United States, the business is a machine that takes something in and makes money out. That's that's it. It's a, yeah. it, and people in security, I think that one, it bothers them 
I think people don't, a lot of people in security, there's less capitalists in security than in other business leadership positions, in my opinion, from the people I've met and, and worked with. And I think that that leads to a lot of the stress. Is this, how do I interact with the business? How do I rational rationalize my ethics against what's happening in the business? How do I push for a better world, right? Uh, do, I, do you agree, I, disagree? Well, I, I agree with you, but I often, so I'm just a little anecdote. I, I used to feel that, and no, I didn't consciously know it until later. I used to over-telegraph anxiety and stress around security in order to communicate the importance of it. Oh, and I had a boss who told me once, Sam, no one's going to die today. And it was a super important message for me to, and I, and I, I visibly calmed down, he later told me, and I was like, you know, you're right, as to what Gary was saying earlier. But what I was trying to do subconsciously was say, see how how worked up I am? And I was worked up. This is how worked up you should be. And right. the message that was probably being received, yeah, the message probably being received was, he's getting overworked. You know, does he understand that this isn't that bad? And right. so I developed a much more even keel, and, it, and that also helped my people not have a fight or flight and things like that. Um, and, and it was huge because sometimes we're not taken seriously by the business or we're not seen to add value. And so the only way we can do it is to ratchet up emotionally. And it does get much, much bigger in our head than it might be. And the thing about this is it doesn't do you, you know, very much good in the business when you do that. You know, because you can only do that once. You can only do the sky is falling once. You know, um, before they start ignoring you or before you, you know, get put in a closet and they only bring you out every once in a while and you're, you're just not going to be very effective. You know, the, um, you know, I mean, I find in the business, the, you know, I'm finding, you know, because I, you know, I, I, I present the boards I'm on. I'm a board member for several companies, just like you, Sam. Um, I advise, you know, um, you know, boards that I work with, um, and in my present role, I work with a ton of startups and, and talk with you know people. Um, and what what I find you know is more companies are paying attention to it, but they don't know what to do with it or how to actually do with it. In in some ways, you know, I'm in the middle of um, I'm actually in the middle of doing um, the National Association of Corporate Directors (NACD). I'm actually in the middle of doing a 15 course series um to learn more about being an independent director and serving on boards mm -hmm. and they got a whole section dealing with cyber and talking about cyber you know as well and um they go ahead and think that you know probably five years ago the training that they gave for people going on boards there probably wasn't anything in there dealing with technology risk and cyber risk and now there's a whole freaking section of it and it's actually talked about in strategy and in risk management and everything you know, this is for corporate directors. So that kind of tells you that there is more importance dealing with it. But even with that, you know, the con the context piece, the impact piece, you know, um, the, you don't get it unless you've actually done the job. You know, and, but even with that, you know, even with us CISOs, you know, we, we understand the impact and we understand how bad it could be and this, that, and the other. But, you know, a lot of times we lack the business view. Yeah, yeah. I, I actually do two boot camps for boards of directors to understand cyber and at both of them we do a tabletop where we reverse and they take the parts of the cyber and C-level team yeah. and we play the board. Part of it's so that they understand what it's like to sit in that seat through a tabletop because your brain can't tell the difference between simulation and reality to some degree. And the other part is so they know what questions to ask 
it when it happens to them and not to overreact or underreact or ignore or act arrogantly and those sorts of things. Well, I mean, and that was the reason why uh, my co-authors, you know, uh, Bill Bonnie and, and Matt Samper and I, we wrote the uh, executive primer, you know, and it was basically taking the CISO desktop reference series and we flipped it and wrote it from the CEO's point of view or the CFO's point of view or the CEO's point of view of who is a CISO? What do they do? Why do I want to work with her and her team? Oh, need them. You know, I love that series, by the yeah. way, the first series. Yeah. And, second, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and we, we wrote the, and what we found is we've had CEOs buy it for their boards. We've had, you know, in mass, like they've ordered a box of them, you know, and, uh, and we find a lot of executives use it to better understand who this person is or what they're doing or what they should be doing with their security team. Like you said, what questions should they be asking? Yeah. That's, yeah, that's so, the need for boards. It's what questions do you ask because you're not an officer yeah. of the company. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, and a lot of times, you know, as a as an independent director sitting on you know on the on the board, you know, you're supposed to be more externally facing and looking at risks that are coming into the company. And uh, and of course the CISO is not reporting about external risks. They're talking about internal risk. They're talking about things internally that are happening and stuff like that. And so a lot of times it's like, you know, you don't really you know, it doesn't really jive to what you're, you know, what, you know, what you've been doing. And so, you know, um, and I think, I think that's kind of on the CISOs that for those of us that, um, that report the boards and the metrics that we bring, we've got to relate it more to the business and the value and, you know, what things that we are doing that allow the business to be more innovative, that allow the business to have new services, that allow the business to succeed with different products or, or whatever, you know, um, I mean, I, you know, I did a whole thing for my slide deck at SoftBank where I was, we're using this CSF mm -hmm. as our risk framework, you know? And so I can, you know, when I, when I present, I'm tracking and showing them over the last three years, how we've progressed, you know, and what we're doing. They could be like, uh, I don't really care, but I take those numbers and I bounce it off of here's the financial services side. So you can actually rank us to financial services and they can see how we're doing with our peers in financial services. And then also here's the numbers for business in general. So they can see how we rank across, you know, and that, you know, something like that, you bring those kind of things to that, that way they have more context from an impact perspective. Okay. The funds that we've done, the team that we've you know put together, the projects that they're doing, this is the value that they're bringing. We're reducing risk. We're actually coming in line you know, baseline wise with the other, you know, organizations within financial services, we are where we should be at and that we're tracking where we should be at, you know, and then the, you know, the projects and stuff that I'm talking about now they better understand, okay, they're uniquely tied to this and what we're trying to do to manage risk and why, you know, because of the regulatory regime that we're in and stuff like that. I mean, you know, you start tying these things together. So it isn't like, you know, we're building a new product, but they're better understanding, okay, if we're at this level and we're managing this level of risk and we're actually tracking with our peers in the industry, we're not lagging, but we're actually where we should be at and even being forward facing in many ways, you know, they, they better, I guess you could say they have a lot more warm or fuzzy about the CISO and the team, you know, because we understand where we should be at. Yeah, we understand where the business should be. I think many boards see it as an extension of IT, and most of IT, the enemy is nature or failed process or waste. Right. But with us, yeah. while we have all that, we also have an intelligent, adaptive opponent. 
And so the kind of risk we deal with is more like what legal deals with or what sales deals with, where they there's an opponent thinking how to beat you. And so if you're thinking about it like IT, you're thinking about it wrong. And it's a different kind of risk registry, right? So it, it, it's more like operational or financial risk um, or legal risk than it is like IT risk, generally speaking, which is really hard to get your mind around. Um, as a board member. I think one of the best ways to speak about it is legal risk, especially Mm. now that we have regulations that actually are enforcing true security standards, enforcing true penalties for not complying and not having a proper security program, not And there's more coming. There's more coming. There's more coming. Yeah. But I think, you know, the best thing to do is that, um, you know, not just to do legal risk, but do more of a risk view in all the different areas and you know because not all risks are the same no no not mm-hmm. at all i i like you know, like you said I like, some of them are regulatory and they bring fines right and some of them are you know okay you know loss of you know okay we're gonna get the reputation to brand some of them are existential yeah so yeah i like yeah, to use three you know categories when i break something down especially when i'm say post-incident when I was doing incident response consulting and say, here's the risk that would come out of this incident. One would be operational. You lost a million dollars in downtime. The second is you have a potential of X legal risk and the legal counsel has advised X amount of losses or potential from this. And the last is strategic, which is the brand damage. And then you say, there's potential of, say, the standard we see in the marketplace is a 5% downturn for one year post-large breach. Um, so you might trade five percent lower if it's a public company and you're speaking in those terms. So I I think those three categories resonate, and if you use those three categories, it seems to work. But I I don't have a huge huge pull pool to pull from to say if yeah. I do, but it does seem to be okay. I usually think of well, yeah, you I mean, call the doctor, do you call the ambulance, or do you call the morgue? Like, <laughs> <laughs> like which level is it? Right, know, like, right, like, right. Implication. I I, I, I can see you with a flight. Call the morgue. <laughs> Yeah, or maybe maybe call it the undertaker. I have a picture for each with like a little, you know, like a little bar. Oh, yeah. We're right about here. One, one's know? a copay, one's a, one's a, an emergency room, and the other one is a coffin payment. You know, like yeah, Good way to talk about it. You put that in front of a board, Sam. Your only slide yeah, to present I mean, is just I, a I series think, of skulls. Well, you know, I might do that. That's a that that. Yeah, how many skulls is it? How many skulls is it? Yeah. Then again, no one's done yeah. it today. <laughs> Yeah, I have to admit that would be interesting. I mean, you know, actually, you know, yesterday I, um, you know, one of the things I do is I spend a lot of time talking with other systems, you know, whether I'm either mentoring them or whether I'm just chatting with them and we learning from each other. You know, one of the gentlemen I was speaking with yesterday, um, you know, works for Dexcom and, um, yeah, he was uh, filling me in on the new you know FDA regulations about you know devices and that they have to go ahead and show that they're you know uh, you know they're cybersecurity that they're you know that they're defend that they're defendable and everything or they're you know not going to be you know um, certified and it was it's coming I was like wow you know we we had a, I think that we had a really interesting discussion you know going over it and I um, you know the thing about this is we, we've always known. I was actually going to go ahead. I wrote a Forbes article on that five years ago about, hey, yeah. it's got to be updatable. You know, it's it, it has to have a strong crypto. It can't ship with bad identity. Like, there's like a bunch of stuff that just isn't done. It's crazy. Even now. Have you, have you worked with a lot of teams that implement the systems? They're so scared of 
the device not being available, that patching is scary. And it, yeah, it was, they're terrified and not of cybersecurity. They're terrified of cybersecurity creating another operational risk, another operational yeah, downtime mm-hmm. for a nurse or a doctor or whoever it might be. Yeah, but it, it was interesting. I was talking with, uh, I, was, I was looking at because I've only met him once. I was talking with uh, Joel, Car- Joel Cardella. Mm-hmm. And he works, he's a system for the R&D side of Dexcom. And that's what it is. We, we were just discussing that. And he was kind of filling me in. This is, you know, new stuff that's coming out. You know, think about the federal side now stepping in and demanding that you have to go ahead and be able to, you know, and, and those of us coming from DOD, where we were used to going ahead and doing certification and accreditation, where, you know, you're building out your networks, you got to certify them 300 pages for the paperwork that you got to do to go ahead and get the, you know, to go ahead and get your risk you know, letter that, you know, hey, you're certified for at least the next 24 months, you know, unless you make any significant change to the network where you got to start the process again, you know, and then you're, you're now that you're in the CNA cycle um, and then go ahead and start seeing it come in the private industry. I'm like, <laughs> you know, it's kind of interesting how everything That's comes around. It's <laughs> right. great. Well, we've done almost an hour, so I did want to be respectful of time. We do do try to do about an hour overall. But is there anything that we we didn't talk about that we should? What are, what are we missing? I think there's so much we could talk there about. There is so much we could is, talk about, but yeah. it's, there's a part two to this that, that we haven't mentioned that yet. That we'll have Gary. to have him back. Yeah, that you, you, yeah. You, you, everyone is a two-part guest if they want to be or not. So. Well, what, what, what we'll do the next time is I'll move the camera around so then you get the other side of the room. Yeah. Oh, I got to show you some Lego. I gotta, can I show you some Lego? Oh, right? Yes. You can see my, uh, you can see my, my, my Mandalorian helmet. Oh, you, you can see the Mandalorian rifle in the corner. All sorts of things. You, know, you got baby Yoda hiding there. I got my, I got my, uh, my Thor, you know, hammer. Nice. and are those uh, on the bookshelf? What is the primary? Are those almost all sci-fi? We started this off talking about no, sci-fi. It's a great, well, this is, um, you know, I actually started collecting all of the star Wars books. Timeline. Oh, yeah, you know, yeah. So I got all of these Timothy's on to start. Is that it? Yeah. Yeah. And then I've got, um, oh yeah. For the whole Thrawn series. Yeah. Stuff. And then I've got, um, you know the um, the graphic novels and stuff for um, for Sword Art Online. Oh, I you know, love that. One yeah, of my, yeah, I love Sword Art. Oh, yeah, I, I actually collect the whole series. I got a lot of the collectibles are all Sword Art Online, and then um, and then again, this is all uh, this is a lot of the Forgotten Realms books. Oh yeah, and then Jim Bristowarden is that the uh... yeah yeah, and then uh, Jim, you know, uh, and then um, Jim Butcher. And all of this I, stuff, I, uh, love, I love the uh, Dresden Chronicles. They're awesome. Yeah, they, they do get a bit too much. He gets beaten up, though. That's the problem. Oh yeah, yeah. oh yeah. And then, uh, the Jim Wizard Jordan. of Chicago, Jacob. Yeah, Wizard of Chicago. And then uh, Jim Jordan, and then like um, you know Stephen Erickson and uh, his whole freaking series about the, the Malgrand Empire and everything yeah. is just amazing. Yeah, yeah. So I've collected that whole series. And then the rest of this is all. This is all everything from religion and philosophy and war and leadership. Oh, cool. You know, um, so it's, it's a wide range of stuff. But you like sit Baby Yoda down there too, so that's cool. Well, I've actually got I've actually got Baby Yoda here wearing a wearing a you know a hat. Nice. But um, but then I've got you know the baby another baby uh, Yoda. Oh, there's four of Lego, them I can see from here. Another baby Yoda and then a smaller baby Yoda and then I got the real Yoda. <laughs> Uh, I'm, I'm going to draw it. Yeah, if, you, if you get them wet at night after midnight, or you feed them, they reproduce. That's a thing. 
<laughs> so yeah, it's just a, it's a huge collection of stuff. So uh, I have I have a, a whole library area, and, and this closet behind me is filled with something very similar. On a future episode, I'll oh, yeah. definitely share. But oh, yeah. so my my team when I left Cyber Reason sent me a Lego kit, and this oh you got it, you got it built. Kit. Oh, very cool! And I just finished making it. It's the Leviathan, and there it is. Yes. Oh, that's so yeah, cool. Very, it was really kind of them to give it to me, and and so thank you to the Cyber Reason team. So how did? But yeah, how did it get? Does the bottle? Did you have to build it like a ship in a bottle, or were you able to well, assemble you build, the bottle you build the around ship the ship? first? Yeah, you build the ship first, and then you was oops, you build the ship first, and then you assemble the back of it, and then you yeah. slide the ship in and and stick it down. Then you put all these blue things in, and then you build the top of the bottle and close it all up, That's and then cool. you build the base and put it on it, which is kind of neat. Well, okay. And you're a Navy guy, so you'll you'll love you'll love just the just the attention to detail on this and stuff. Oh, very cool. <laughs> yeah, cool. Very there nice. you go. Sorry about the background noises. I put it down to the microphone, but there you go. That was my most recent Lego. It actually came after I sent you the uh, the uh, yeah. Nintendo one, but yeah. And then, like, you know, like what I was saying about Baby Yoda, if I turn this, let me see. I see him multiplying again. If I turn this, I'll show you, like, this bookcase is all science fiction, right? And then you can see the little Baby Yodas. They're all hanging out. Wow. So maybe Grogu. I, I, mm. I, have like, I have like little miniature baby Yodas. They're all hanging out in the books. Maybe this is a, a good topic to end on because up in the top yeah, right. Yeah, right there. We'll end it. We'll end top it right is doing. Because that's popular. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll yeah, index right. well for search engine optimization with that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The, second, the second movie is coming out, what, in three months? I, no, I think it was, it was in the fall. In the fall? So a little more than three yeah, months. Yeah. Well, actually, I have to ask, have you seen the D&D movie yet? Is that a thing? Oh yeah! Oh my God! Because Jacob and I have not. We're gonna go. Don't we're gonna go see it. Oh, it was yeah. It was a riot. There's so much of the discussion. You know, they're talking about water deep and elements there and stuff. Yeah, all kinds of realms. Yeah. You could easily go in and do multiple movies, and then and then just like I was saying, Jacob about uh, Sword Art Online. That that's what's at the top of the bookcase is all the oh, various right. collectibles. That's cool. Uh, you know, Sword Art, and then some of the collectibles from um, you know Overwatch and and, uh, and stuff like that as well. You just a wide range of stuff. You have to stop. Yeah, you have to stop saying interesting things because otherwise we're going to just keep going. <laughs> more, more, more. Well, happy topics. birthday, Gary! What a, and, a great way! Uh, I look happy forward birthday. to coming to your next birthday. Happy birthday! But, yeah.